the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. This week's episode of Hometown Crowd, we celebrate our 40th episode while the college football landscape shifts massively with announcements in the wake of the coronavirus. Will we get a baseball season after all and a big upcoming fight in UFC? Finally, we examine the rise and fall of an American icon with the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Lance. Get on your feet. You're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. What up, everybody? It's Mac. And I'm Heather, still digging around for my Livestrong bracelet, Lewis. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I can't really complain. Um... You know, it's great graduating from college in the middle of a horrible economic depression. Yeah. I don't know how that'll pick up, but at least we get some applause in there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but it's it's nice sending out 30 resumes and nobody hitting you back at all in the day of email. Huh? That, uh, you know, I'm I'm in same same. Z's. Yeah. Same. Yeah, Z's. You know? So I got you. Yeah, it's just like, hey, you you have literal automatic correspondence these days. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and uh, not a lot to do because you're probably working from home. Yeah, so like, just give me a call, man. Uh, you know, I have a plan to get my beard trimmed tomorrow, so I look presentable for, you know, interviews because it's getting out of hand. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, uh, you know, somebody fucking call me with a job. I would really appreciate it. <laughs> Heather, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing okay. It's been an interesting week. Um, so, yeah, that's about all I can say about it. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting week. Hopefully, you know, me and the puppy don't kill each other for the next, <laughs> like, month. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we did yeah. take last week off. Um, for we did. We also reasons. had a meeting of the minds. Over we the weekend. did. We celebrated my birthday and actually got together for some social distance, social interaction. Yeah. Uh, mostly social distanced. Uh, we did pretty good. Uh, we did as far actually. As I can we, we had our masks. We were very. We were. We were very good about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was happy with where we sat because it wasn't around anybody but us. And I'm always appreciative of that. Yeah, we were the yeah, only we people outside out there. on the patio. Like nobody came out. Like it was great. I know. I was. I think we all needed that. Um, oh yeah, just for mental health, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's celebrate also that this is our fortieth episode, and that's like Lordy, a forty. Look who t- look who's forty. That's right. And we are less than one month from our one year anniversary. See, now that is something else. Like we've been doing this for a year. How great is that, guys? Yeah. Like well, okay, well let's just say that okay. You two have been doing it for a year. You joined we us like a month in, later. in like September, October. Yeah, but I mean by that point we realized that the two of us weren't working well. And when Tim said, Hey, I think I'm gonna ask Heather to come on. 
and I was like, bet, let's do this. Like there wasn't even, <laughs> there, was, there wasn't any real discussion at that point. It was just like, yes, let's do this. That yeah, makes a lot yeah, of sense. You know, yeah. I, I, I heard that from number two fan um, over the, over the weekend, but actually I believe the exact phrasing and way it was said was Heather. Listen, <laughs> Tim was so excited to have you there. They love you so much, Heather, and I love you too. And you I know what? I feel like she was you know that far fan? gone. Oh, yes, oh, she, yes was. she was. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I Dan, uh, Timothy, we're not going to talk about you. You have no way to hey. you have no right to be. It- it was my was birthday. Yeah. No, but I, mean, I, I fair, but still. I knew that we had a winner on our hands when DB was like, guys, guys, this is so much better than <laughs> the episodes without Heather. And I was like, yes. <laughs> For the record, your first appearance was episode six on September sixth. Oh. So good. just over one month later. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. Well, Phil. Uh, what yeah. a ride, huh? What a ride. Right, right. I mean, we've got a, we've got a pandemic a, on our bingo card for this one. Oh, God, right? And who would have thought that we, the sports podcast, would continue despite the lack of sports? Listen, we are the We have somehow persevered. Season, okay? All right, we, we are full service listeners, so make sure you pass <laughs> our name around and get other people to listen to us, too. We we truly are. We have a little podcast that could. So yes, just and and we're growing, and we have sister shows now. You know, we do. People can find us on the nine one zero comedy podcast network. Uh, shout out to marital tiffs, uh, dead girls talking, and that's just my face. Um, which are amazing shows. Tim, you are one podcast away from having to quit your job and commit yourself to podcasting full-time i know you, you do realize that's kind of a uh dream <laughs> not, not a oh, oh my god oh i swear to god i thought he was gonna say a running joke oh, i no, swear no, no, to no. god it, it's not a goal because it's never going to happen but like if it ever did i'd be happy with that i legitimately i swear to god i thought you were gonna say a running joke so i apologize um you know what tim you know what I Chase hope you get dreams. your dreams. Yeah. yeah. I, hope, I hope you get there. Yeah. Hey, I'm bringing you guys with me. I'm just going to ride your coattails. and uh, <laughs> That's right. Listen, shoot for the stars and you'll land on the clouds. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's face it, Mac. You bring the uh, journalistic legitimacy. If you want to go. Put, yeah, we're going right. to put air quotes on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> I would definitely. And Heather <laughs> brings the color commentary. <laughs> Heather, Heather, we just got. You know what? We should just start calling games. Like, let's just pick a game to watch, and you and I'll call it. That's right. We'll just call. That would it. be hilarious. Well, I'd watch that. I would mute. I would yeah. mute my TV to just listen to the two of you call a game. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll put the TV on mute, Heather, and we'll just call it, and then we'll record it and put it up. Do you know uh, what? Though I feel like I feel like we would actually be like because. Because Tim, you said you you started watching. I feel like we would be like actual like holy moly, and how that came, 
how how that show goes. The I feel one like legitimate that actually... broadcaster and the one who's there for the comedy. Exactly. I'm Rob Riggle. That's that's yeah. me. That's who you're, I am. You're the pretty face with the humor, and Mac is. Uh... I'm not just a pretty face, sir. Okay. I said humor. I'm... I mean, let's just put it this way: most most commentators don't call the game on their way to drunk, whereas I would. <laughs> Me too. Because let's face it, some of these games, uh, and you know I love these games. I love basketball and football and base. I love them. Um, some of them are just downright miserable to watch, especially when the NFL gives me the Thursday night matchup of Cincy against Tampa Bay. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, God, kill me. Like when I was bouncing one Thursday, it was Cincy and Jacksonville, and there was like four people in the stands. I'm like, who the – why? Why are you – yeah. Well, let's dive into our first topic of the night. Uh, college football is shaping up to look a lot di- more different than we could have imagined, I think. Uh, we need to put air quotes around college football season 2020. Yeah. <laughs> assuming that it happens, assuming that the season happens. Um, I feel like it's a mirage at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ACC has already pushed the start of their season back to September 1st. At there will be no sports before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Ten has announced that they are only going to play conference games. Mm-hmm. And the Ivy League has said, shit, well, we're been... out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They folded. Uh, yeah. They were yeah. like, wow. I mean, I, I like, I mean, granted, the Ivies have endowments that can support keep their their athletic programs afloat i mean harvard in 2017 had an endowment of 50.1 billion with a b dollars okay listen i I really i mean what's what's their game attendance i mean really well i mean uh the ivy the ivy league's different because it's an fcs uh conference that doesn't participate in the end of season playoff so essentially the the last game of the season is typically is typically uh, their like champion quote-unquote championship yeah Okay. okay But Dart- I don't keep up with it. I don't yeah. because I don't care. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I mean, n- not not to be dismissive of you, Heather, but you are an SEC fan, and nothing exists outside of you, that bubble. You are not incorrect. You are not incorrect. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. I will fully own that. You are not but, incorrect. I mean, you have to look at. I mean, the Ivy has pushed kind of the limits of a lot of things. Dartmouth Dartmouth went to full non-contact practices. Um, and they built a practice field that has like a essentially a magnetic system where they have dummies that line up in the various uh, uh, schemes of the teams they're playing against. And they it, it's like a program. They run it and they run the those dummies run the patterns and everything uh, to cut down on the amount of concussions. So what you're saying is the geeks are geeking on the football field. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, the thing is, a lot of people are looking at that. The IPs brought in were one of the first uh, programs to bring in rugby coaches to teach football players how to properly tackle. And two years after that, um, Pete Carroll brought in rugby coaches to teach that Vaughn and Seahawks defense, you know, how to tackle. You know, so they they've always been kind of you know on on that edge of look, check it out. This is what we're gonna we're gonna do things different because we're Ivies and we don't give a shit. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I, I but I, I I like how they put the student first um, and saying that, hey, you do represent the university, but first and foremost, you are student athletes, and we don't want you to be putting at any risk of coming into contact with somebody who may or may not be infected. Um, 
I like well, that. And not only that, too, I, I do also feel like, I'm sorry to, to interrupt, no, but just like, you're also not like getting all of these people in the stands and exposing them, you know. Yeah, and I, I, and I like that. I mean, let's face it, the ACC only did it because, you know, they're trying to stay in compliance with the, the various governor's directives in the states in which they, they play in. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if you look at the numbers, you know, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina have all seen spikes in, in, uh, you know, COVID cases. Yeah. I mean, well, Texas is not ACC country, you know, but, um, yeah, exactly. Um, except Austin, Austin, Texas is awesome. The rest of that state can suck. Yeah. It's kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there. It's fun. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I think that's good. And, I, I mean, the Big Ten, I mean, it's a smart play to say, you know what, if we, if it's up to the conference to be in charge of how we test our student-athletes, then it makes sense that you only play those conference games because you're all on the same page as far as, you know, quarantining procedure, testing procedure, you know, who comes into contact with whom. But, like, if you are a MAC team or an SEC team, you know, your rules might be different. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but I thought the tweet you sent, Tim, was really interesting about how opting the, out of the repercussions. Yeah. opting let's, out. Let's talk about that, yeah. because a lot of these smaller schools, you know, uh, Ohio State, for instance, was scheduled to play Buffalo and Bowling Green this year. A lot of those schools rely on the multi-million dollar deals to get their ass kicked by these big schools. Mm-hmm. Um to fund their entire the sports boys. program. Yeah. yeah. They don't mind being the whipping boys. Talking I mean, to you, Louisiana Tech. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how they pay for all of these other sports. And declaring that they're not going to be playing non-conference games this year, that's, that's going to have huge ramifications for teams like, you know, Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Or I mean, Bowling Green. There, there's already been four schools at lower levels, Division Two and Division Three, that have completely canceled their football programs. Okay, now if you see that start happening at the D two and D three level, you know damn well it'll probably happen at the FCS and and in the the group of five schools as well. Um, football programs are horribly expensive, and typically they are black holes. Mm. Uh, they just they just suck money in, and most teams do not turn a profit mm-hmm. on their football program. Um, you know, a lot of schools say that it, you know, they, they have to offer students that, that atmosphere, that game day atmosphere. Uh, but that one year I spent at Kent state, nobody went to those fucking games. Nobody goes to those games now, you know? Um, you know, that's why to move up to the highest level of college football, you have to average 20, you're in theory, you're supposed to average 20,000 in, you know, in-house fans a game, you know? And, and, you know, a lot of schools can't do that, but the NCAA doesn't hit them up, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's, you know, we have 120, uh, football programs at the highest level or whatever the fuck it is now, because it seems like 126, I think 127. Yeah. I know there's been quite a few schools that have moved up in the last 10 years, you know, uh, Charlotte looking at you probably shouldn't have done it. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, we've had long talks about that one. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I agree. This is going to you You might see, you know, um, conferences dry up, you know, Conference USA, the MAC, um, you know, Mountain West, uh, Sunbelt, you know, they're, they are essentially the have nots of the highest level of football. 
and when you have an economic downturn, who gets beat up the worst? Yeah. The have-nots, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it, it's that's going to be interesting to watch for the next few months to see who tries to hang on and who just says, you know what, we can't afford this kind of expenditure anymore. Yeah, yeah. but how long is how long are the repercussions from that going to happen? Like, is Mar- is it, are teams like, you know, Miami or Ohio University going to struggle to field a team next year because of this year's repercussion? Well, no one's going to shut down their program for a year if, if they shut no. it down. It'll be yeah, and I'm almost positive, too, that, like, also, too, that, like, NCAA is going to do some kind of... Um, bailout program? No, not bailout program, but just, like, offer, like, another year of eligibility for the players. Um, well, actually, that is NCAA bylaw. If, you're, if yeah. your school shuts down their program, you're allowed yeah. an automatic transfer. Um, and an extra Which you've transfer. seen, there have been yeah. some players that are already... Well, look doing at that. look at UAB when when uh, Bear Bryant's kid who sits on the board of trustees for the Alabama system forced mm-hmm. the state to shut down the Dragons, um, and it, there was such an outcry that they you know they essentially reinstated the program, and some of those players stayed to mm-hmm. make sure they can they can play, and that's why their head coach I I want to say his name's Bill Clark, uh, you know the first year out after they came back he won eight games, uh, yeah. You know, but a lot of the players that opted not to stay were allowed immediate eligibility when they transferred because, again, it was Bear Bryant's fucking kid uh, that <laughs> that literally yeah. had the UA system pull funding for that football team. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I, th- I think that I think monetarily it might take it, it's it's going to be a bit of a a bit of a speed bump for him. Um but I think in terms of like talent and players or whatever, I don't I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna be as bad. I, I just hate that schools have to have to look at it like that. Well, we're not getting paid to lose by sixty points uh, to LSU, Ohio State, Texas, whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, so we have to shut down our programs. I mean, I, I can understand that, but I can't understand what Stanford's doing and cutting eleven varsity programs when they have an endowment in the billions as well. You right. know? So it's just, it, people are going to use this as an, ex, you know, uh, directors and schools are going to use this as a fucking excuse to take away opportunities for people to go to college, you know, student, you know, student, maybe some athletically gifted kids who maybe not, uh, wouldn't have normally have an opportunity to go to school or afford it. Uh, you know, they had a chance to go uh, participate in athletics at a college and have it paid for, you know, Uh, and get to enjoy their sport for four more years. And, you know, but Stanford should be like, oh, well, we can't afford it. We, there's no money. I mean, Stanford, you got, I mean, Mm -hmm. all of fucking Silicon Valley graduated from Stanford. Like, give me a fucking. (laughs) Yeah. And well, (laughs) also too, like what I saw, um, from the announcement from the big 10 are like just some of the games that are not going to get played out of it and some of them i'm actually legitimately a little sad to not ohio see. state oregon gets canceled ohio because state, of the announcement oregon gets doesn't um penn state at virginia tech doesn't get played okay and then our perennial favorite that we just love iowa state and iowa baby yeah yeah i mean just uh, just the sads i have the sads although the wisconsin notre dame game could have been decent too like, yeah. yeah, and some of that doesn't make sense though. Like, 
Because that would have been Lambo. Why is Ohio State unable to play Bowling Green, which is in Toledo, Ohio, but playing Nebraska is fine? Yeah. 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 I, 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 dude, I don't even try and wrap my head around what the NCAA does anymore. Um, yeah. Well, do, this wasn't even NCAA. This was yeah. the Big Ten. That well, was I'm, Big Ten yeah. specific. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the conference, I, Again, I understand because all the testing, all the quarantine parameters were left to the conferences. And getting those conference commissioners to agree on way, one way of doing things is impossible. You know, so I get why you'd want to play in within your own conference. But I, I'm with you, Tim. Like, why, how is it harder for Ohio State to play Bowling Green than it would be to travel, you know, 600, 700 miles to the west to go play in Lincoln? You know, it's right. just, I, I don't fucking know, man. Well, and I think I saw too, like, um, because of the ACC, I, what was it? I think I was reading The ACC is also expected to follow suit and cancel non-conference. Yeah. And, and it's kind of the same thing for the SEC. I don't see anything. I just know that they are in discussions about it, but I'm sure that it's probably going to be the same thing. Um, but even as such, from what I understand, like it's still blindsided college football from and, what and from with those two conferences you named this will be the first year in i think 152 or 115 years that there is no clemson usc exactly yeah. that's exactly what i was about to talk about how there yeah. was not going to be a game cox and clemson game yeah yet, which is insane again that's one of those games it's kind of yeah. it that's one of those games that's like you know Michigan, Ohio State, and stuff like that. Like, oh, oh, oh let's not compare the two. Okay. <laughs> In terms of importance to them. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's I mean, it, uh, to the teams involved, that's what it is. A lot of maybe people, not as much on the big scale, but yeah, to them, a lot of yeah. people think the rivalry is important, and ninety-nine percent of you are fucking wrong. Okay. okay listen, I'm gonna need y'all to just appreciate that I'm even fucking talking about other conferences <laughs> right now. Okay. <laughs> Well, you still looped it back over to the SEC. I did. Yeah. I, it will always loop back over to the SEC. So, and, and something tells me Heather's the type that's like, well, let's face it, South Carolina, not really SEC. Okay, they no, came it's way really late. Not. It's way late. late. <laughs> well, let's let's we are switch over very to very good care of the championship trophy. It will continue to be well fed and well taken care of. So we'll just hold on to it for another year. We really don't mind. Okay. Well, let's switch over to our other big topic for the night. We are officially 119 days since we last had sports. Uh, it feels oh. like four times that. Uh, but there is a potential end in sight with a lot of question marks. Uh, as of today, uh, as things stand right now, we are two weeks away from the opening of Major League Baseball's 60-game short, shortened season. Um, but there's a lot of question marks there because there's a lot of COVID cases popping up. Uh, I think, what did you say, Mac? 40 cases? 40 so plus. Far? Yeah, 40 plus. Um, and let's face it, some of these players have not stuck to quarantine because the Cleveland Indians' own friend, Mil Reyes, uh, decided that he was going to go hang out with a bunch of people on 4th of July. Okay, you know what? That's y'all's boys. Those are yeah. that's y'all's boys. Yeah. I think uh, it was also like his birthday this weekend too. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. You know that you're supposed to be like literally in an airtight room uh, to go to a shortened training uh, and then start your season. And Tim, it's okay for you to do it, 
because you don't make millions of dollars plying your trade, whereas Mr. Reyes, on the other hand, most certainly does. Uh, Fair. Uh, I wish I did. Yes, you and I both. Uh, because then I would just hit you up for a nice small loan. I would never intend to pay back and then tell you, no, Tim, it was not a loan. It was a grant. It was a gift. <laughs> okay. And uh, I appreciate it. Um, well, listen, though, if it's under 10000 you don't have to report it. Uh, well, even if you gave me a million dollars, I wouldn't report it because I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, anyway. But no, yeah, I mean, if you're having that many cases just getting into initial testing um, – I'm with Buster Posey. What's the point? You know, um, this is this is one of the top names in the league uh, who, who's asking, why are we doing this? And he, he's, you know, debating to sit the season out. Um, you know, and I'm kind of with him because I, was I excited to have baseball back? Sure. Um, you know, for this little sprint season or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but not at the expense of people getting sick. Uh uh, possibly dying and uh, you know then recovering from it and having lifelong you know health issues which you know survivors have been dealing with so I mean I, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze on this one I really I really don't um, because like like I you know I think we're all sports starved but I, I don't want to watch sports at the expense of people's you know health I, I don't Absolutely. think that's cool. I've always yeah. been on the train of if you could figure out a way to do it safely, let's do it. Yeah. But it seems more and more that we can't. Well, and do we really trust college kids to do anything safely? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and extend that further. I don't trust Americans to do anything safely. Exactly. I mean, look at the beach. Just look at the beaches. That's all I'm safety saying. Safety third. The, yeah. Safety third. Yeah. I mean, the beaches have been packed. Um, and then I, I don't know if you guys saw, but out of Nashville, the youngest person in the country to die from COVID passed today and he was 30, you yeah. know, so like I did not see that. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't just say this is something that kills the very young or the very old. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it can get you whether you like it or not. It's a virus. It's very unpredictable. <laughs> yeah, uh, because, you know, my actually. I don't even think I told y'all, but um, yeah, my little brother got di- got tested positive for it this weekend, and he's thirty one. Yeah. So yeah, it and yeah, he's not you know he's not an out of shape dude. He's not you know any of that. Like yeah, it can hit anybody. Yeah, you know a virus does not discriminate. It just goes after you, attacks your immune system, and and you could you know you could potentially die. It's not worth it. Um, you know, I could sit here and just keep watching the 30 for 30s and we talk about it. And if I need a fix, I'll just get on YouTube and watch one of those great games that makes me feel good about myself. Um, and being a mostly Ohio based fan, there aren't many of those uh, games to watch. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, there, there are plenty of great games that involve us. We're just usually on the wrong end of them. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. that's that's a much better um, yeah. Correction. Like I was feeling, I was feeling very self-loathing this weekend, um, because you know I, I have my bouts, and so I watched the the, the Jordan shot game over Craig Elo, and I was like, I was like, you know what, you deserve to feel this. This is your team, and it's happened for your whole life. <laughs> and we continue to, yeah, choose that team. Yeah, I didn't jump ship, and I'm paying for it now. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, uh, guys. I, I just, you know. I don't want any of these players to get sick. I don't want them to carry this to like their wives and their 
their kids or, or, or their, their mothers and fathers or, you know, whatever the case is. I don't want anybody to get sick is what I'm saying. Where do you put the chances that the MLB starts in two weeks? I mean, I think Major League Baseball pushes it. And if they keep having issues with uh, players or, or staff getting sick, you can't continue. You're going to have to call it. Yeah. Um, but let's face it. You know, these owners in the league want to make money. That's that's the point. This is a money grab. Absolutely. I plain mean, it, the whole thing has always been about money. Yeah. Plain and simple, it's a money grab. And and I think it's going to take people, you know, a large number of positive tests. Because let's face it, you can't run a game if you don't have umps, if you don't have a coaching staff, if you don't you know, have a stadium support. If you don't have any of those things, you can't have a game. Yeah. You just can't do it. You yeah. know? Um, but, you know, let's, let's see Rob Manfred if he falls on a sword. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it, and if you know MLB doesn't happen, we've got the NBA set to start right at the end of the month. But even that's in question. Yeah, I mean, and, and how many players are saying they're going to opt out? There's quite a few of them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you guys should expect a phone call uh, from some NBA team who just needs people at the end of the bench. I'm uh, six feet tall. Hey, you know what? I just need I just need to wear a pair of warm ups and maybe get. 38 seconds of gameplay. That's it. Yeah. Listen, I'll, I can I'll, I'll I can be the girl of that paycheck. Listen, yeah. I can I can be the girl in the khakis and the polo that runs out with like the water bottle and just squeeze it into people's mouth. I can do that. <laughs> now, granted, I can't reach them, so it, like they're it's gonna have to go up to get to them. But like I can do that. I I can do what's needed too. So, well, one sport that has somehow managed to continue undeterred is UFC. Uh, they announced this week that next weekend's UFC 251 will feature Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, now, yeah, is that one going to be fight, on yeah. Fight Island? Oh, it is indeed. Yes, it is. It, that one's going to be on Fight Island, yeah. Because I remember uh, James was saying last week, and he's like, you know, this is the first weekend where it's like, there's really not not really like a fight or anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this card, and I'm gonna see if any of my buddies plan on getting it and then giving me their password so I can watch it. Uh, because uh, one, I will not justify paying sixty dollars for a fucking pay per view these days of uh, you know economic hardships. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because you know my twelve hundred dollars did not go the three months that Steve Mnuchin said it would. Uh, no, no, it did not. Mine did not, not to either. Get too political. Yeah, uh, but yeah. That should tell you everything you know about how Steve Mnuchin looks at us. But anyway, I digress. Um, but no, I mean, Usman's a ridiculously good talent, and Masvidal has just caught lightning in a bottle the last year or two. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see how Usman is able to deal with Masvidal's power. And I'm on the flip side of that, I'm interested to see how Masvidal deals with how athletic and ridiculously, like, like Usman's just, he's one of those... He, he's going to be a generational talent. Um, he's got the athleticism, uh, the talent, as well as the work ethic. Like, he's not one of those guys like John Jones who was like, I'm a champ. I'm really good. I'm going to live off my talent. But now I'm going to do cocaine and hit some pregnant lady with my car and then run away. Um, <laughs> and because that's feel, a thing. That's a thing. Yeah, and then feel the need to continually get busted for using performance-enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, like, Usman is stupid talented uh you know I, he's he's one of my favorite fighters uh and honestly before you know like 2018 i didn't know much about him 
but the dude works. Uh, he's just he's got a, a, a great game, you know, a great uh, base where he's he's really good at everything, uh, and he's got pop in his hands. So um, it, it's going to be fun. You know, Miles Vidal is just a he's a power puncher. Uh, you know, so you, you kind of got to. Do you want to sit there and trade with Masvidal, uh, or do you take him to the ground and kind of work him and wear him out? So it's going to be interesting to see what his plan is. Um, I, like I said, I'm I'm hoping one of my buddies gets it and just gives me their password, so I can watch it. So any friends that are listening, hook me up, right? Or uh, you know, hosting too. So <laughs> no, just, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go over people's no. houses because. Uh-huh. I honestly, I love my. No, friend. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just being, you know, like online. But okay. Yeah. It, oh, anyway. okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not trying to break the law. I'm just oh. trying to circumvent the law. Oh. There we go. There we go. There's uh, two There's quick side notes before we get to the back half of our show. Uh, the NBA G League has hired its first female general manager. Yeah. Tori Miller was promoted by the College Park Skyhawks, an affiliate of the Atlanta Hawks. So I feel like that deserves a special shout out. Absolutely. Hello, girl. Uh, yeah. And today uh, we are recording July 9th, 2020. It is the 23rd anniversary of Tyson Holyfield, the infamous ear biting incident. The bite hurt round the world. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about that, because I'm a huge boxing fan, uh, Holyfield was a blown up cruiserweight, always tiny for a heavyweight. And he's going against, I mean, granted, this is Tyson after six years in prison, um, mm-hmm. where he did not take care of himself very well. And, and they kind of just fed him a series of stiffs. Uh, saying, yeah, he's ready to go. Let's let's have him fight, you know, Holyfield. Uh, but Holyfield, he, you know, he was he was winning that fight uh, handedly, actually. And then you saw them clinch, and then you saw Tyson uh, decide to make a meal out of the cartilage on Evander Holyfield's face. You know, so it's just like it's who who would have thought? And like the funny thing is that was Mike Tyson's slow slide into like being the villain. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, you know, he told Lennox Lewis that he was going to eat his children prior to getting his ass beat by Lennox. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he got the face tattoo. But now, like, Tyson's done a complete, like, 180. Um, you know, I and that started with the Hangover movie where he, yeah. made, he made fun of himself. But then he does that kind of one-man talk special that was carried by HBO. And he's telling not just people but young fighters, don't be like me. Whatever you do, do not be like me. This is these are all the bad things I did. And and he went on, you know, to apologize to Holyfield and, and to Lewis and, you know, Robin Gibbons, uh, who back in the 80s he was married to. And there were uh, you know, he was arrested for, you know, spousal abuse. Um, allegedly, never proven, but allegedly, if I remember correctly. Um, but, you yeah, know, but he, that's one of those things we all know he did it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he he's telling people I'm a cautionary tale. Of, mm-hmm. of how to fuck up your entire life. Um, you know, and if I owe it to anybody, it's to everybody to say that I was an idiot and I'm, I'm trying to do better. Uh, you know, and then you look at him now. Granted, he's not 20 years old anymore, but God damn, uh, you know, some of his training he's doing and there's there's rumors of him coming back at 53 years old. Um, you know, 
it's 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 funny to kind of see his his character arc, I guess. You know, uh, but I mean, I he strikes me as a genuine person, and let's you know he hasn't he's largely tried to stay out of the spotlight since uh, you know again getting flattened by Lennox Lewis. Uh, I won mm-hmm. two thousand dollars off that fight last oh, one nice. and only one and only time I bet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that was a crazy fight. I remember watching it, and uh, I just couldn't believe that he because that wasn't a little bite. No, like, he t- he tore his ear off. Oh yeah, he, he took off a quarter of that motherfucker's ear, man. Like that. Oh was, yeah, it was. That was yeah. That it wasn't. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a little nibble. No, not a little nibble. No, no, it, it wasn't one of those. Hey, girl. That was a gr- that was a grown man's bite. Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. yeah that- well, that'll do it for the news half of our show. You can get in the conversation at our hometown crowd podcast group, facebook.com slash group slash hometown crowd pod. Um, let's, <laughs> let's turn out pod. pod. <laughs> let's turn to the second half of the show and this week's documentary, keeping the theme from our last episode of steroids. We watched the two part show Lance. The story of Lance Armstrong. And first off, can we acknowledge that Lance Armstrong is more than kind of an asshole? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing, though. I think, though, to be the level of athlete that he is, yeah, you just are. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of feel like, armed. you know, Jordan kind of has mm-hmm. that same reputation. Yeah. You know, a lot of these people who are at the top of their sport. You don't think it to, and speaking of Tyson, he was an asshole, too. Yeah, he was at the height spot. of his at yeah. the height of his game. Now, so I, like that's just that's a thing. I will say that Lance Armstrong, uh, whatever deity you believe in, I just think he hit the genetic lottery. Uh, he was put on Earth to do grueling distance challenges i mean because the dude uh he was a triathlete got into cycling and then when he was banned from cycling what did he start doing iron man's like for fuck's sake dude like that's crazy uh and when you look when you look at him in the goddamn pool you're like how are you 50 plus years old man like you're still there there was gratuitous swimming footage oh yeah and and god (laughs) and god forbid he actually wore trunks no he went full speedo, full yep. speedo. Full yeah, speedo. yeah. It's, it's um, for the aerodynamics. I say, okay. I yeah. have to say this: this two-part episode both made me love and hate Lance Armstrong more. Um, you know, it definitely portrayed the asshole in him, but it almost seems like he's realized where he was and is trying to not be that way. And it oh. did, it's not—it's not like the show pulled any punches. You, you got from the entire three hours that he was trying to be less of an asshole. Okay. So, okay. So here, let me, let me give you guys a, a bit of a, a, this is story time. So sit down kids. Um, so, so I used to watch the tour de Lance. Okay. I used to watch them uh, just from, from my, from my previous life. We'll just say that I, I used to watch them and Um, so like a lot of the stuff that they were talking about, like I already knew, I already knew. And, and unfortunately I was, I was very team Lance for a long time. And I I was, I I honestly think we all were, I mean, he was one of, at the time he was one of the most loved people in 
American he was, sport. He was, but also too, I was, you know, I was my, my, the basis of, of my, um, I don't want to say adoration because it wasn't quite like adoration, but just like my respect was like, I would always say, oh, you know, he's the most tested athlete in this tournament. Like, so, you know, and he's never come up positive ever. And, and I was always of the, of the camp of like, you know what? I think he's just falling on his sword. I think he's just saying, you know, oh, I, yeah, I fucking did it. So people would shut up and just leave him alone. After watching this, and this was what, 10 years ago. So this was a 10 year way of thinking, but after watching this, it completely changed it. I was like, you know what? Nope. Nope. He acts, he absolutely fucking did it. Um, but but that also brings up the point, though, that, you know, was everybody in the sport doing it? Yes. Oh, and yes, does that were. change yeah. what he did? Yeah. No, no, uh, I, no, I, no, it doesn't. But no, be, I think because, I but I know where I, go ahead, Matt, because I know where you're going. Yeah, with it. Everybody else copped to it when they got busted, even Jan Ulrich. And it yeah. they literally the, the press fucked with him so bad you know, we find out he checked himself into a mental hospital. Like, Jesus. It, and then you have Lance Armstrong, while every all his peers are saying, yes, I did it. Everybody in this sport does it. You have Lance Armstrong saying, look, I'm a cancer survivor. Why would I take drugs that can mess with my physiology? I won clean. And then he comes out years and years after the fact, like, yeah, I did it. Uh, it and let's face it, he did it to cover his ass. He knew he was going to lose bad, you know, in court. Especially after Landis. Holy shit, that guy's got some balls oh. on him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Unlike sure. Lance Armstrong. Who only has ball. Oh, damn. Come on. <laughs> damn. That, that was well, a low-hanging fruit. Well, uh, his, listen, his, that's even worse. Come his on. aren't hanging that low because there's only one ball in that sack. <laughs> oh. Well, one thing that I read in one Beautiful. of the reviews was actually from um, Roger Ebert. And okay. Not exactly he, who I expected to and see I know, right? this conversation, but let's hear yeah, it. He, uh, but he did. He, he wrote actually this, this really like amazing like review of it. And he actually really enjoyed it. Oh, it was uh, Amazingly done. It didn't really pull any punches. No, it really didn't. Um, but what he had to say about it is that uh, Zinovich, uh, the the girl who did it, the 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 girl who put it together, she's he said that she was a master at allowing her subject just enough rope to hang himself, letting Lance tell his own stories in a way that illuminate his selfish, shallow perspective. He okay. may be crafting the narrative, but Zinovich is revealing the truth embedded in how he in how he crafts the narrative. Yes, yes, I, I agree one hundred percent with old Roger Eve there. Um, yeah, because, because I, she did. She 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 didn't let him control the story. She, like like he said, he just let, he she gave him the rope to hang himself. Yep. with. I mean, and that's most documentarians. You won't ever hear them speak. You just see the the subject speaking but you heard where she interjected like are you sure this is what you want to say yeah and, right. then, and then lance would just like not he doubled even, down on everything oh, dude, he fucking did man he just jumped both feet deep end fuck it let's do this you know um and i think i i i, 
I was one of those guys that got wrapped up in Lance Mania. Um, I really thought it was great that, you know, back when I was younger and, and actually gave a shit about my patriotism, not that I hate America, I just see it for with the warts where a lot of people ignore them. Um, but I was like, this is an American taking over a European-dominated sport, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Repeatedly. Yeah, and then you have him coming back from cancer, you know? And it's just like, wow, man, this guy's fucking the bee's knees, you know? And then you, I remember when the cortisol story came out during his first win. Mm-hmm. And I remember that interview where he's like, yeah, man, you know, because cortisol has multiple delivery systems, whether it's a pill, whether it's a topical cream, whether it's an injection, they can't tell where it came from. He's like, yeah. if they could, I would have been fucked. Yeah. Yep. You know, because he said, but, but he, could he, said he was lie. 21 years old. He said he was 21 years old when he first did it. Yep. For yep. his first professional season in 1993. Yeah. I mean, and that I think. That's what kills me is that like cycling is is a big deal in Europe. It's a big deal. And, you know, they've had generations of people that literally tried to circumvent the system um, and and get around the rules to give themselves a competitive advantage. While that has happened in every sport, I think it's really, you know, it was blatant in cycling because of the like the grueling nature of it, you know, it's three weeks of hard riding every single Yeah. Week. Yeah. And that was oh. something too, that was actually something where I made a note of where they were talking to um, the former CEO of U.S. Cycling. And he was saying how there was a period in the sport where people were realizing that there are things you could do to enhance your performance, but this was before it was considered to be cheating. Mm-hmm. There were no morals and there were no ethics around it. And so, so like a big theme in the entire documentary and even Lance's former teammates were like, look, everyone was yeah. doing it because yeah. that was because the Tour de France. And, and, and I, again, I wrote down this quote specifically because it was, it, it's really telling for how it is. They said that it was the, it was a circus on the boundary of human performance that it was actually it's it was considered when it first started to be a dirty sport because you had son of sons of miners and farmers you know these these big you know laborers would be the ones to do it and that it's 21 miles I'm sorry it's 21 days and 2500 miles and I forget which teammate it was but he was like you know it's like running a marathon every single day for 3 weeks yeah, that was the uh, the guy who said that was the man that's currently head of U.S. Cycling, the dude with the beard, okay. the bald guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy Lance uh, let us know how bad he he dislikes him at the very end. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not Landis. That's not Landis. No, no. Because I wrote he, down the Landis yeah, quote. I know. The Landis quote is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I know. But he, he made it known, like, when he went on his little rant about uh, when he went to see Jan Ulrich. Mm-hmm. Um this was one of the, he's like, Jan got ostracized from, from, you know, that supposed family of cyclists while, you know, he, he mentioned Hincapie, uh, while, you know, he sell, yeah, while he said, you know, while he's selling shit, Jan doesn't get to, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he gets to run cycling now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, Jan, you know, so like, you know, Lance, the, I think what Lance doesn't like most, and this is just me speculating, is that this was a sport he ran. Like he could snap his fingers and the head of UCI is going to do what he asked him to do. 
and mm-hmm. he showed that. He demonstrated that oh, was yeah. demonstrated blatant. You know, the head of the entire cycling body of the world was at was Lance at his beck and call. Yep. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And, and now Lance, other than calling cycling for NBC Sports and speaking on a podcast, has he he doesn't have that pool anymore, and I think that bothers him. Oh, for sure. And and something that I found that really kind of like stuck with me, and and this is kind of going to go back to. Landis, because he has made it very known for years, for for what a decade, yeah, how much he hates Floyd Landis, yeah. And in this documentary, uh, Armstrong is still very stubborn in how he blames others for his downfall, especially yeah. Landis, yeah. And and one of the quotes that I find to be probably the most ironic that he says is that some people can't just chill the fuck out. If they're going to be pissed, they're going to be pissed forever. And that's exactly how he is with Landis. Yeah. Because, because his quote, and this is my favorite quote in the entire docuseries for the, the three hours that you sit and watch this is he says, you know, in, you know, in like how his life is now, compared to like what it was he's like it could be worse i could be floyd landis waking up a piece of shit every day (laughs) so it's like you want to talk about somebody that is holding on to a lot of anger and a big grudge oh it's it's fucking lance oh dude yeah lance and and that's the thing like how are you gonna bitch about floyd landis okay um how are you going to bitch about him when he brought to light um you know all the dirty shit like we had uh you know other uh cases of doping and you know the you know and 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 cycling would just kind of poo-poo them away you know um with the exception of what was it the italians when the italians got caught and it was this big whole thing and they went from like national heroes to the scum of the earth yeah um and then you have, you know, these, you know, Landis is like, okay, well, you're going to turn your back on me. Uh, fine. Uh, I will go ahead and, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to write these emails. I'm going to, I'm going to whistleblow the entire fucking thing. Right. Yeah. And he did the right thing. He did the right thing. And you have Lance Armstrong, who is pr- perhaps the, uh, you know, the, he's the face of the sport, um, and he might have doped more than anybody else mm-hmm. um, who's pissed about it. It's like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think what kills me um, is just how, like, dead set um, Lance was in his... Uh, like his hatred of of, of uh, Landis, and I think what's funny is that I looked it up when I when they started interviewing Floyd. I paused it, and I'm like, okay, Lance lives right outside of Vail, Colorado. Floyd lives in Leadville. That's less than thirty miles away from each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fighting distance. That's yeah. fighting distance right there. I didn't even catch that. Twenty-seven point two six miles. Right. You gotta well, wonder if some of that is intentional. 
Well, no, because he said that, uh, no, Lance said that after he graduated, like he packed up his shit and moved there. Like he, he went, he drove straight to Colorado or whatever. I I mean, when, but he, 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 like he lived in Austin. He built this huge palatial. Yeah, he did. He built a huge palatial house and worked out of Texas. Over by the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Um, But when he started, when he started losing money, he had to sell all that shit, man. Like. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when you're getting hit up for millions and millions of dollars in, in um, you know, multiple lawsuits, you know, um, which is funny considering he's quite litigious himself. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what I dislike most about him, what he said about essentially the team mom, you know, who uh, uh, was her name? O- O'Reilly. Andrew's, Andrew's wife. It was Andrew's no, wife. No, not Andrew's wife. She wasn't the team mom. Uh, but the. Uh, had some weird French but term, but she was like the masseuse. And, and yeah. Got oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah the, Irish. She, she, the Irish chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I, forget, I forget what she was. Yeah. yeah, but I know what you're talking about. But she essentially was in charge of making sure all these guys had to do was ride a bike for three weeks, and he starts talking shit about her. And I'm like, dude, you are such a piece of shit. Oh, and yeah. And when he said, yeah, if there's anything like I, I feel kind of bad about is, uh, is know, how I treated her, how I treated her, how I treated her one, you know, and then but he he doubled down on Andrew's wife for, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a strong dislike. But there is something I do want to point out, too, because I, I know that we do kind of want to talk a little bit about the the charity aspect that came from it. Yeah. Um, is that in a lot of this documentary the way because Lance comes off as as almost kind of contrite about how everything went down or whatever and 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 I saw a a comparison and, and it kind of reminds me of this comparison of it's like believing you paid your dues after robbing a bank because you had to give the money back yeah that's yeah. exactly how yeah. Lance well well they even talked about how he viewed it like a loss of income mm-hmm. more yeah. than actually like, like losing his standing or anything. They compared it to a bank robber who stopped from stealing another million or whatever, because yeah. it was a loss of income. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I, I, I thought what was telling is his teammate, his one teammate uh, said, I've spent almost, you know, 25 years with this man. And I still don't know if I love him or hate him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've been around, like it, that, should tell you what type of person Lance Armstrong is. Um, He's a very complicated person. Well, <laughs> I mean, even even Scottie Pippen was like, dude, Michael Jordan was an asshole, but there isn't anything I wouldn't do for him. I love the man. Yeah. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr has said it. He, you know, Steve Kerr and Jordan got into a fight at practice, um, and Steve Kerr does nothing but speak highly about Michael Jordan. Um, Which, um. I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but do you do you remember seeing Lance Armstrong meeting Mark McGuire in the other <laughs> in the one we did for the last episode? <laughs> yes, because he was with Matthew McConaughey when mm. they met with Mark McGuire. Well, let's talk about the other side of this. And, you know, it can't really be divorced from the whole conversation. And that is Lance Armstrong and his cancer treatments and subsequent charity work. Mm -hmm. Um, First off, I want to point out that that one scene with the lady who started the fertility uh, charity, Mm -hmm. 
Mm. That uh, I may have shed a couple of tears listening to that story. Yeah, I mean, and and she's right though. That's the thing that kind of gets lost in the shuffle when 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 you have doctors delivering the the horrible news of a diagnosis and treatment. Um, I mean, chemo was pumping radiation directly into your body, right? And radiation makes you sterile. But the thing is, a lot of people don't put two and two together when you're not getting that information directly for a doctor, which I think is very disingenuous. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love that, you know, she went to Lance, helped start this program, and it's still servicing men and women, yep. uh, um, you know, and, and our, our non-binary uh, population, it, uh, you know, to, to still have children. Uh, you know, I love yeah. that. Well, yeah, and the, and the thing, too, is, like, Lance's fourth and fifth child technically aren't supposed to be here. Yeah. Because of the amount of chemotherapy that he went through. He was supposed yeah. to be sterile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so and so, yeah, so I, I yeah, we definitely like for as big of an asshole that he is and as much as a, of a bully that he is there, it, it's like Tim said, it's very hard to divorce the amount of good that came out of it. And I think a lot of it goes back to like what you were saying about his buddy who doesn't know whether he loves or hate him, hates him. There's a there's a lot of that because of. You know, he did amazing work. He rallied a nation. Um, he he advanced cancer research and knowledge and what have you a, a large distance. Yeah, I mean, it, that same woman, I wish I could remember her name, but I just, it escapes me. And I'm sorry about that. But, you know, she came out and said that Lance changed the narrative for people diagnosed with cancer and cancer survivors. Like they're, they weren't victims, you know, mm-hmm. they were, they were people who overcame something horrible. Um, and, and that there was strength in numbers that they, they were going to get through it together. And I thought that was very, that was a very important, uh, you know, thing in that, you know, there is strength in numbers. And when you have people who, who can give you tips of the trade when it comes to just getting through the actual treatments or, you know, have somebody shaving their head with you or whatever the case is. But they they found this community in which they could get through their treatments and they could associate with people who went through the same thing. And that's always important, you know. Um, and I, I, I love that. And that, that's the kicker about Lance Armstrong. He's a detestable human being mm-hmm. who did so much good when he started Livestrong. And I honestly believe that he had a genuine affection for the for the survivors and the people going through treatment. I'm and and it's funny that you say that because it as much as I was saying how, you know, Roger Ebert had written this, you know, incredible review of the movie, I also looked at bicycling.com's review of the movie. Oh, which, wow. So I'm going to let you guys pretty much assume how what what they think about it. Um, we'll just say it's, it's, uh, it's, it's on the opposite side of the rainbow. We'll just say that. Um, but one of, but a, a, a part that they have in there speaks specifically to that. Um, it says that as the adage goes, you're not as good as the best thing you've ever done and you're not as bad as the worst. And they said that uh, Zinovich resisted the easy out to portray Armstrong as purely uh, malevolent, that she... She makes adept use of points by journalists Bonnie Ford and Charles Pelkey, who were two of his 
sharpest critics. Yeah. To to illustrate that Armstrong's connection to cancer survivors may be the most true, genuine, and good-hearted thing about him. And I truly believe that. I do. Because you could see when he would meet, when they had videos of him meeting with cancer survivors, um, especially with the kids, um, where he would tell everyone to leave the room. He would tell journalists. He would tell nurses. He would tell everyone to just leave the room. And he would just be in that space with those patients. And so I, I do. I believe that. I do believe that he very genuinely cared about them. I believe the la- the young lady's name was Lindsay Beck. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felt like she, she deserves a shout out here. Yeah, too. definitely. I mean, it's just it maybe like I, I sat there like after I watched everything and I'm like, is he fucking psychotic? Like, honestly, he might be. Because you see this narcissistic asshole who just went scorched earth on everybody around him, uh, you know, and, and, and whether he would admit it or not, he did that to his family as well. Uh, when you have your son standing up for you and you lie and you lie and you lie and then eventually that kid's got to go back to school and face, you know, middle school kids after yeah. he went on live television and cop to it finally after years of denying it. Like, dude, right. fuck you. You're a real right. asshole, okay? You should never put your children in that position. Um, but then you see what he did with Livestrong, you know, just, uh, um, you know, he was single-minded in his pursuit to find uh, ways to fund treatments and fund research and and just connect with survivors and people going through treatment. And, you know, the families of people who died because of cancer and the families of survivors, like, the guy was there. He was in that, like Heather said, that space Mm -hmm. trying to show, hey, you are not doing this by yourself. We are in this together and let's do this. Like he moted, like he he moved this, he started this movement. And then. And it was a movement that had been really like starved of that kind of attention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it took. I mean, raise your hand if you had a Livestrong bracelet. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had one. Oh, oh, I also (laughs) had a T-shirt, sir. I had a T-shirt. It wasn't just the bracelet, okay? You know, but and then I look at it like for all the good Lance did, he also fucked his movement in the long run. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when when Nike pulls funding, uh, when they have to remove him, you know, from from the head of the the you know the uh, the organization, you know, it's like, dude, like you had such a good thing going. Yeah, and because you are a lying piece of shit, you set it back, like. But you know what, though? You know what, though? As of today, as of right now, at 10.18 p.m. on July 9th of 2020, you can still buy a $1 yellow Livestrong bracelet. Yeah, and I'm not spending the dollar to do that because I need (laughs) to buy ramen uh, because I'm currently unemployed. We we can't splurge on ourselves right now. Yeah, not right now. Uh, But no, it it, it just made... It made me think that he, this dude, it, it, I mean, maybe psychotic's not the right uh, psychological term, but like the dude, it's like he's he's these two different people. Oh yeah, you know? oh, absolutely, yeah. And and it's funny because uh, when James and I watched it initially, you know, we both were, you know, we were both kind of saying, you know, like America loves a good villain story, especially a villain that starts off good and then goes real bad, like. We as Americans love that. 
Yeah, but you know what we love even more, though? The redemption story. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll, sure. yeah. We, we don't we love have a that redemption from him story yet. As yeah. much as we love, but it, we don't love a redemption story as much as as a fall from grace story. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We, we have these, we build these people up. When they mess up, we, we heckle them as they fall. And keep in mind, this is the royal we, guys. This is the, the big we, not just, right. you know. Not um, the three of us. Yeah. And then you, you laugh at them as they plummet. And then we, we kind of cheer them and applaud them as they try and pull themselves back up. But where, <laughs> where this could have been. Nobody a- really did that for Lance, though. <laughs> no. And I think that's but what I. But you know pre- what, though? He doesn't give a shit. No. He truly does not give a fuck. He well, has see, zero fucks to give. I, I don't know if that's the case. Um, I just really? Think- I, I don't. I don't think he cares. I, see, and I, I think he, he does and I don't think it's that it's the caring. I think it's the notoriety that he wants back. Um, you know, when you go from being very wealthy, uh, you know, very well known. And, and, and I'm not I, I know he he's not a big fan of dating anybody famous anymore. And I get that. Um, and I'm glad he found a woman that's putting up with this bullshit and has done it for 10 plus years. I applaud that woman for that. Um, yeah, she's actually been with him the longest. Yeah. Um, but I think he liked being in the spotlight. Um, Matthew McConaughey strikes me as the type of guy that unless you could get caught with a dead hooker after a bender in Vegas, <laughs> he's going to stick by you because. And even then. Oh, well, no, I think McConaughey, I think McConaughey draws a line at dead hookers who doesn't know. Really? You, you, do, you think he does? You think he has a line? Oh, I do. Who doesn't okay. draw the line at dead hookers is Ben Affleck, who or. Is a total piece of shit. Or Charlie uh, Sheen. But. Oh, Char- Charlie Sheen keeps dead hookers around. Right? Yeah, that's different. He's, that's, he's, okay, he's, fair he's, enough. Fair Charlie enough. Sheen's going, we're doing lines? Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but like, <laughs> I, 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 Another I, low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I could, I could see him and Matthew McConaughey still keeping in contact and hanging out. But I don't see any of, any of the other people uh, doing that. They showed Eric Bynes who had a nice three-year run with the athletics in the late 90s, early aughts, uh, you know, hanging out with them. But I think that's more Bynes trying to remain relevant himself uh, <laughs> rather than, um, you know, anything else. But, I mean, I, I, I really do. Like, Lance Armstrong was a guy who was in the spotlight as a teenager um, into adulthood and, and, and ascended to the top of the sport. Uh and, and was everywhere. He was the face of American cycling. He was the face of cycling across the world. And then, you know, he decided, well, I'm not just going to use the cream or the pills. I'm just going to go full force into blood replacement therapy, uh, human human growth hormone. Like, he, he did it all to yeah. find out what worked, you know. Uh, so, I mean, I would say he's got no fucks to give. I think he probably agreed to this as, like, maybe the start of his redemption tour. Maybe. No, but I could see that. I, I could see, see that it because it did do quite a bit to try to portray him in a positive light while also not pulling punches. Oh, no, it's because the filmmaker had all this footage and was like, God damn it. He's horrible. Yeah. Like, I, I can't <laughs> even make him look positive because he constantly looks like an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, he's um, very alpha. He's oh, very yeah. alpha. Yeah, he's, he, his personality is very alpha. He still has mm-hmm. a runner's frame, which means I could punch him right in his diaphragm. He's going to double over real quick. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, I mean that that was the I, I love the, the like the filmmaking part, the storytelling part. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, it did, really was. He did such a good job, and I hate cycling, but like this has been my favorite one. Just but it gripped you for three plus hours. Three fucking hours. I could not stop watching. I made the decision. I'm like, I'm going to bust it up over two days. Bullshit, dude. I sat right here and watched the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, that's what it does. And that's what I told y'all. I told y'all that like a yep. month ago of you how did? great it was. But yeah, no, it really is. And and I do really agree uh, with what Ebert said in that she gave him enough rope to hang yeah. himself. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's Absolutely. A- as and it, I, and the thing is, and she was very good at making him think he was in control of the narrative. Yeah. Mm. She did a very good job of that because to do that to somebody who is so who is so much of an asshole and who is so narcissistic is I mean, that's that's amazing. Not yeah. many people can do that. At well, all. I mean, as someone who has like been interviewed for a documentary, you, the question she asked to get the answer she got, holy shit, man! Mm-hmm. Um, Especially too, because right at the beginning when she was asking every single team player, "So when did you first start doping?" and they're like, "Wow, just right out just the gate, jumping right like, into this it." This is you know? where we are. You know? <laughs> but she really didn't like. She was ready to go there. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, what, to be a good, I mean, that is a sign of a good documentarian. Like you're there to tell a story, but you're also there to deliver a truth people did not know. That is a good documentary. A good documentary is nothing Michael Moore has ever made. Like that guy is a fucking piece of shit and then some. He dabbles in conspiracy theory, and half of what flies out of his mouth is all fake. Okay, uh, you said her name Zernovich, Heather. Yeah. Okay, Zernovich sits down with all Marina, these people. Marina Zinovich. Okay, Zinovich. Zinovich sits down with all these people. And rather than toying around or warming him up, when's the first, when do you start doping? And we're going to go from there. And yep. the line, the, just the line of her questioning was amazing because she got these authentic answers from all these people that were directly involved. And for years were like, they had to sit there and be quiet because that's what Lance wanted, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I just, I, I thought it was great, especially the interview she did. Um, yeah, they were fantastic. They oh were really, the, and, and, like, just the range of the people that she went to talk to was fantastic. Like, yeah. nobody was there that wasn't necessary to the story. Well, the there, there were no fluff interviews in this. No, but she, she got the head of U.S. Cycling, who could have easily said, not just no, but fuck no, I'm not doing it. The guy who owned the Postal Service team, you know, got him. Um, what I, the only interview I wish he could have got was, uh, Michelle Ferrari, uh, the coach, Lance's coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, because even before, even before, okay, Lance comes in third, what's he immediately go do? Goes out and gets the, the only coach that advocates doping in the open. Mm -hmm. Like what the fuck? Like how did, how did the president of us cycling not go, uh, Lance, what, what, what are we doing? Well, You're getting some, him. Yeah, You're getting and, him. And something too that I thought was really telling was that like he kind of started his entire career on a lie. Because whenever he did his first triathlon, what was it? Um it wasn't the Bahamas. It was where was it? It was um 
It was it was a tropical location. It was this international triathlon that he was competing in, and they forged his birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that he was of age to do it when he really wasn't. So he's his his entire career has always been on an untruth. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Lance, if you're listening, you're an asshole. Uh, thank you. But you know what? Keep saying that because he'll buy you a drink. Yeah, he will. And your meal. Hey, if I can get a free round, I'm okay with that. I am totally okay with that. All right, let's let's go to Heather for final thoughts. Um, this this was a documentary that I that that James and I kind of just watched on a whim because we were just watching uh we were watching something else for for one of the shows or whatever, and we just happened across and we're like, oh, let's just watch this. You know, it, it looks interesting. And it was, it like Max said, like we were going to break it up. No, we, we watched the entire thing start to finish and it was just so well done. Um, and, and just again, kind of like everything that we said, just who she interviewed and the questions that she asked and how, you know, she let Lance quote unquote, tell his truth, but at the same time, it shed a lot of light on who he was. And it, I don't think it was a spotlight that he intended to shine, but it was, a, it was, it was the, it was the spotlight that he turned on. Yeah. And I, and it, it's, it's really remarkable. And like I said, it's three hours and if cycling's not your thing, I get it, but it is fascinating yeah, how cy- they talk about it. Cycling is just in the background of this one. Mm-hmm. This is a story. This is a story of people. Um, and, and that's Back your final thoughts. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. This, if, if you are interested in stories, this is this is one you definitely want to watch. Um, you know, like Heather said, that there was a wide breadth of of interviews for this one. And then what I really liked is it wasn't just her interviewing; you had the clips interspersed throughout. You know, um, we didn't even mention the clip where he just cut across the grass. Yeah, and he was he was praised for it, but that wasn't the clip that should have that that I was like most uh, that caught me so much. It was when he did the 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 zipped lips thing. Like, yeah, he's under investigation for doping, and the guy who's turning him in is riding in that race, and he just rides next to him, uh-huh. talking and shit just... to him and whatever else, and then on camera does that. It's like, bro, at this point, you are asking to get busted. You're a dumbass. You know, yeah. like I just it killed me. Um, but no, it just I, I thought like from a, a filmmaking perspective, this is probably the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you you had this compelling story and you got to see all the personalities involved. And the thing is, you know, like we, we've hit on it. This wasn't just like, hey, this is a, a story about Lance. This was a story about the sport of cycling when Lance was at the very top of it and it was yeah. his, his ascent to it and his falling from it. Um, and it was just so like, it was a compelling watch, you know, after the first part ended, you gave it like a split second thought and like, nah, fuck that. Let's go part two. Uh, you know, yep. like it just, it, it, it's so well done. Um, and you know, hopefully I can find something else Sinovich made because like, if she does this well, um, with this kind of subject matter, I can only imagine what she does with other things. You know, she could probably make a phone book very interesting. 
<laughs> because I find cycling about as interesting as I find soccer, which is to say not at all. Um, you know, but this was good. It this was, was good. A, this was amazing. What, what about you, Timothy? What did you think? Um, I mean, you guys pretty much touched on everything. I thought it was extremely well done. I have no interest in cycling, but I was very interested. I'm the one person here who did split it up into two viewings, but that's only because of a time situation. Um, I watched both parts about a week apart. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a very, very good watch. Yeah. Um, and and. You know, maybe this is the start of his redemption arc. We'll see. Um, but probably I, not. I don't <laughs> know that he has the, that in him. But we'll I see. feel like his redemption arc is still just a slide. Like, that's yeah. all it is. <laughs> just a slide. But that'll do it for this week's episode. You can find us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get in the conversation at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Hometown Crowd Pod. You, you can subscribe anywhere you find your podcast. If you're an Apple listener, drop us a review and we will read it on the air. Uh, you can also check us out on the 910 Comedy Podcast Network along with our sister shows, That's Just My Face, Marital Tiffs, and Dead Girls Talking. For Mac and Heather, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Bye, everyone. Bye. And don't, you know what? Just just play sports. Don't, you don't need extra. Just, just be you, okay? Just, just be you. It's a good message. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>